Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. 
Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. We are broadcasting on the Fringe FM. The Fringe.FM is the network website. You can also download the Fringe FM app for free. Check us out on the Paranormal Radio app as well and TalkStream Live, of course, Our full show archive is on the website at www.thesecretteachings.info. Tell you more about that throughout the show tonight. You can get access to all the shows to download and stream them along with our montages. And you can find in that archive when you subscribe access to all of my books as well. So you get all of that. And if you subscribe for one year, you also get a physical copy of one of my books, which is the best deal. Just go to www.thesecretteachings.info, support the show, and keep us on air Monday through Friday here on The Fringe FM. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com, G-A-B-L-E, rdgable. Social media, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings. And, of course, we now have our Patreon page. You can find us on Patreon and become a patron for behind-the-scenes videos and more. It works like this. When you become a patron, you pretty much tell me what you want to see and what you want to hear, and I will try to produce that content for you. There's some other perks depending on which tier you select. So I encourage you to go to Patreon. If you have a few extra dollars, become a patron for The Secret Teachings. If you enjoy this show and you'd like to keep us on air, and help us to expand and to grow, those are some of the options that you can take. Plus, we have some other options that will provide you with uh, clean water, Pro One water filters. You can check them out on our website and US Plus Health, which will provide you with some discounts for cleaning products that are not filled with toxic chemicals and pollutants like we typically find at the grocery store. That's U.S. Plus Health. They give you 20% off with the promo code TSTCLEAN. And Pro and Water Filters, the link is on our website. You have to go through that link to support the show. But we've been selling a lot of water filters, and I appreciate all of you who have bought one. If you did buy a water filter or a replacement filter, let me know. I want to hear who got the water filter, where you got it, where you're living, just to kind of get an idea of... uh, who's been supporting Pro One Water Filter. So thank you very much, rdgable at yahoo.com. You know, back in June of 2021, something happened that people had been waiting for for six months, some people longer than that. And uh, now we're in October. It's almost Halloween. And um, seems like everybody forgot about it. I mean, literally for months and months and months and months, UFO community... I guess what you can call the paranormal community. I'm not really sure what these communities are anymore. But like the radio community, you know, 
networks like the Fringe and other big networks, you know, people were talking about the upcoming UAP report. People called it the UAP report, the UFO report. People were really, really interested and they were intrigued by what could potentially be unveiled by the by the government. What could be unveiled, uh, what the government knows about unidentified aerial phenomena, what they know about what many of us classify as the UFO, or, you know, some kind of erroneously still refer to them as flying saucers, but that's not, of course, very accurate. And so in June, on the 25th, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence released the preliminary assessment of unidentified aerial phenomena. And it was a it was a brief of nine pages that was released to the public, and it summarized what the federal government had determined was the potential threat and potential dangers and um, and other things relating to UAPs. I read through the nine pages. I personally wasn't that intrigued by the document, but it was an official government acknowledgement that there was something in the skies and something that often could not be identified, something that was potentially a threat to national security. But the whole report was really vague. And I don't think that the report itself gave people what they wanted to hear. And I don't think it gave people what they needed to hear. I think it was very much like a purgatory statement. It really wasn't good or bad, regardless of which way you cut it, which way you sliced it. Because if you don't believe, as if it's a a faith, a religion, you don't believe in UFOs or UAPs, this report just confirmed what you already believe. Well, the government didn't find absolute proof, so absolute proof doesn't exist. Which is completely asinine and ignorant to assume that because you don't have absolute proof of something, that there isn't still proof of it, which there is an abundance of proof of these types of things. I don't even want to call them craft, but they're these types of things or alien intervention or something from somewhere else, something that is not human, man-made, human-made in the sense that we define it. So there's something there. But on the other side, you have people that said this report was absolute proof because the government acknowledged there are things they can't fully understand or they can't fully identify and it's not you know it's not you know a, a man-made object and that it it's a threat potentially to national security and so both sides have a a system of belief and they're not institutional sides of course they're just states of mind they're they're, they're perceptions on the world because there are just as many so-called scientists who are part of the mainstream community, who are just as open-minded as those who are part of the quote-unquote alternative community. And they're just as willing to theorize and to speculate and to look at evidence and to try and figure out, based on the evidence, what exactly we're dealing with, what we've been dealing with for, for decades, long before Roswell, for centuries, for thousands of years. You know, UFO reports go back to a time B.C., long before Christ, or whatever you want to call B.C. You know, UFO reports are strange objects in the sky that were identified uh, at the time 
by people who only understood them in their their at the time current language you know they called them balls of fire or they called them chariots or they called them shields that hovered in the sky that that flew across the sky and you know there are so many different ways to look at each and every individual case individual story individual artifact that um I don't like subscribing to an idea um, that it, that that is an ideology that brings along with it a belief system that can both be absolutely accurate in some ways and absolutely inaccurate in other ways and not leave room for much discussion. I mean, I, I know that there are people who are ancient astronaut theorists and they are unwilling in some cases to look at other points of view. And that's really no different. In fact, it's very much the same. It's a byproduct of the ego, I believe. Uh, and it has nothing to do with aliens or science. It just has to do with ego, perhaps narcissism um, and other psychological things. It's no different than the people that say, well, there's absolutely no evidence of any of this. And that's, of course, preposterous and that's, of course, untrue as well. Um, there is an abundance of evidence. In fact, there's so much evidence that it's hard to quantify all of the evidence. And the problem is a lot of that evidence is ignored. And a certain scientific set of criteria are presented. And since that criteria isn't fully fulfilled then we tend to write off the entire subject. Others, however, might point out that that criteria, in some way, shape, or form, is preposterous in and of itself. Because if you think about the types of things that scientists and whomever demand as evidence of aliens, or and I'm not even talking about aliens, I'm just talking about UFOs, I'm talking about UAPs, you know, they want physical evidence of these craft. Now, some might argue that there is physical evidence, you know, in some artifacts. But here's a question for you. There are literally thousands of planes in the air every single day. Commercial airliner, uh, liners, cargo planes, military craft, private jets, private planes. They fly all over the world. They're flying over the ocean. They're flying over, you know, continents, they're flying everywhere, you know. And um, how often is it you go in your backyard and you find a piece of one of these commercial planes? I mean, on occasion, something will happen that is catastrophic. Remember, there was a, an, an engine that fell off of a plane uh, not too long ago. I believe that was earlier this year. And... Uh, there have been, you know, if there's a plane crash, you obviously find uh, the crash site and you can find the debris of the plane. Um, but, you know, I never I never saw that plane crash. There's been so many plane crashes in, in aviation history. I never physically saw it, so maybe it didn't exist. But looking at the evidence, you can kind of assume that a plane crashed, people died or, you know, people were affected by it. So, you know, on occasion that that happens, but with the thousands and thousands and thousands of flights every single day, you'd expect 
that if there were that many UFOs and UAPs, as eyewitnesses and MUFON reports demonstrate, uh, you would think that you would start to see parts of UFOs and UAPs more often. But then you got to consider not only the fact that you hardly ever find a plane crash, you hardly ever find debris from a plane. You know, back at the, I, I just looked it up. It's back in February of this year. Um, debris from a, a, a plane came crashing down from a United Airlines flight uh, in Denver back in February of 2021. And, um, you know, that happens so rarely that if you were basing the evidence or basing your belief on the evidence of do commercial airliners exist, I would like to see some hard physical evidence. Well, you can get on a commercial airline. You can buy a ticket if you have a mask and a vaccine. But if you have a ticket, you can get on the plane. You know, But people have also been abducted by UFOs, right? They've been on UFOs, and people still don't believe them. You know, if you live somewhere and you've never flown on a plane and someone says, well, I took a plane last week and I flew from one side of the country to the other and back, they'd say, "Get you're crazy. There's no such thing as planes. Well, you can see them flying in the, in the air all the time, you know, taking off, landing, flying above. Well, I don't believe that. I don't, I, just, I don't believe that. That's, you know, it's something else. That's the same thing we do with UFOs. You don't see evidence of UFOs because UFOs don't break apart and explode routinely over major populated areas. I mean, consider that most of the planet is not populated if there are UFOs flying all over the place and they are raining debris and crashing all the time. We might not ever find the debris of those planes. I mean, just imagine how many little pieces of planes break off every day in parts of the ocean that are never, you know, no one even realizes it. No one, no one recognizes it. It's not like it's just a little piece of metal that breaks off. You know, it's in the ocean. It's in the forest. It's, it's somewhere. You know, and we don't ever find it. I mean, just think about um, planes that go missing, commercial airliners with dozens of people on them, with transponders, with, 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 with things that, you know, the public and the media become uh, very concerned with. And, and we, it's on the news every night. And, you know, they, they, you got search teams in the ocean and, and, they, and they can't find it. Remember, uh, I think it was Malaysian Flight 3, was it 370 back in 2014? Just vanished. I mean, how many planes have done that? They just vanished. I mean, but we know that that plane was real. There are people on that plane, right? So the question of physical evidence in regards to UFOs is not really the best criteria for identifying UFOs. And think about the other argument. Well, I want a picture of a UFO. Okay, well, I can find pictures of commercial airliners. I can find pictures of planes on the internet, I can go outside and find planes flying over, you know, my house, and I'm living out in the countryside here. But UFOs don't routinely take FAA commercial flight paths. They don't take military flight paths. They don't typically land at airports. You can't go to a place thinking, okay, the UFOs are going to come land here, you know, at O'Hare or Tampa International, you know. So it's not always easy to identify a UFO based on physical evidence, nor is it easy to identify a UFO based on photographic evidence, because even though everybody has phones, there are plenty of legitimate photographs of UFOs. They're not all alien spacecraft. Some of them are legitimate, unidentified objects. That, again, doesn't mean they're, they're aliens, though. And so if you're looking to take a picture of an alien spacecraft, probably pretty hard to do that. It doesn't mean that they don't exist or that these UFOs are something beyond our understanding. 
We're going to look at this in more detail tonight here on The Secret Teachings, and I'm going to share some really interesting information with you, putting together some pop culture and some history right here on The Secret Teachings. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit the website, thesecretteachings.info, and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of Ryan's books. The show offers weekly and monthly subscriptions, or for $50 a year, get access to the archive, montages, and digital books at a discounted price. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the donate button at the top of the page. Your subscription supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and you. Alex My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and like my show, I like to associate with people and companies who are passionate about taking steps to a healthier life. Pro One Water Filters brings you simple-to-use systems for the home, business, and even the shower. They filter fluoride, heavy metals, and more, and their shower heads stop chlorine from being vaporized and inhaled. I personally use their systems now for five years, and they're worth every penny sincerely. Our other affiliate, US Plus Health, is a small American company specializing in hydrogen peroxide solutions, isopropyl alcohol, and hand sanitizers with no additional ingredients like ethanol, chloride, or methanol. They use 100% U.S. materials at an FDA-registered facility. Their simple, non-toxic formulations are both safe and gentle. They evaporate quickly and leave no residue or stickiness. They're even recommended by the CDC, FDA, and WHO as opposed to other toxic chemicals like QACs. Find links to these affiliates, Pro One Water Filters, and U.S. Plus Health on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info for links, or visit usplushealth.com and type in the promo code TSTCLEAN. Do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in? Join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where we explore the unrevealed. Every Wednesday night, live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and I want to share something astounding with you. It's no mistake that Delta equals four numerically, and that with its three sides equals seven, the number of revelations that heralds the apocalypse to build a new kingdom on the ashes of the old. 
The new kingdom is not firstly God's, though, but a false prophet who will be crowned, the Corona. His kingdom is seven years long, but it's cut in half. Delta means change and authority and conveys a deep meaning in holding the eye of God and his infallible name Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton. It's no mistake CG images of SARS-CoV-2 have little triangles or that Delta waves place people into a diseased, unstable state of mind. It's no mistake the biggest global conspiracy is one of depopulation, that its logo is supposedly a triangle, and that Delta extracted from the Norse Volknut means fertility. These are the patterns that we see and the observations that we make on the Secret Teachings Radio, five nights a week broadcasting on the Fringe FM. For more information, check out thesecretteachings.info or email us rdgable at yahoo.com. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into the Secret Teachings Radio here on the Fringe FM. At the beginning of this year, 2021, the countdown began for June, June 25th, 2021, when the preliminary assessment on UAPs would be released by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. And for months, we had radio shows and talk shows, we had People that were interested in the subject of UFOs and UAPs, they were talking about this, waiting for it, hoping this would be the day of disclosure. And, of course, the report was really vague. It didn't tell us very much about UFOs or UAPs. It just kind of acknowledged a few little details, and it was very vague. It didn't really give us a lot of information. It's kind of like a a purgatory UAP or UFO report. It didn't give us a lot of information. I mean, you start researching the subject of UFOs, they're very difficult to research because you obviously have a very small number of people who intend to disprove regardless of what the evidence is. And I find that to be outrageous, especially when these people come in the name of science to the subject of UFOs and look for anything and everything that they can find to discredit and to disprove the subject, some going so far as to plant evidence or to intentionally mislead the public and mislead themselves, to delude themselves into believing that the evidence that they're finding isn't actually evidence. And then you get people that research the subject and they're more open-minded to it, and they'll, you can have a conversation about it. But it's like, it's such a divisive topic. I mean, any subject can be divisive, but UFOs and UAPs, it's so divisive. And I don't, I don't fully know why. But when I think about it and I try to process that information, like psychologically speaking, you know, obviously some people are offended at the notion and they might be Christian, uh, they might be religious in general, or they might be of the, the more scientific mainstream minded. Um, obviously, the, the subject of UFOs is a difficult one to grasp because you can't necessarily find the types of physical evidence that you could otherwise find if we were talking about something like a commercial airliner. But then again, even if you think of that, you don't really find debris from commercial airliners that often. Certainly don't find debris from military craft. You don't find debris from private jets. I mean, you can take pictures of these things and you can see them, but there are just as many legitimate photographs of UFOs or UAPs. Unless you've been on one, And you can identify it. You don't know what it is. 
I mean, you see a, a plane flying above you, you can assume that's a commercial jet most of the time, but it might equally be a military plane. You know, it's unidentified until you can identify. Now, people don't like this game of semantics, but a lot of a lot of anti-UFO researchers use semantics to confuse and and to to muddy the waters. But I think we can use semantics the other way. We we we, we can we can play around with these definitions, and that's what the military does. That's what the federal government does. They they change UFO to UAP to make it a more palpable subject for the media and for the government. But we're still talking about the same things. We're still talking about things that invade military airspace, things that are unexplained and unidentified. Call it whatever you want. There's still some kind of phenomena there. Throughout history, shutting down nuclear missile silos, facilities, individually deactivating each missile, or in some cases, activating the missiles. From that to your standard UFO sighting out in the countryside somewhere, or maybe in a, in a big city, it's just you see them more in the countryside because there's not as much light pollution. Of course, people go out in the, in, in, in the, in the, the, the nighttime, you know, every single day, every single night. You might be outside right now. You look up in the stars. You look up in the heavens. You look up in the sky, and you see things flying over, and you can't identify them. And a lot of people jump immediately to the conclusion that must be an alien spacecraft when it's probably just a meteorite or it's, uh, you know, it's either a meteor or it's some kind of, you know, a plane that you can't identify or it's a satellite. I mean, you have people that go outside and they shine their laser beams up into heaven that they spend thousands of dollars on and they try to summon aliens and, oh, look, there's an alien there. There's an alien spaceship and it's not really an alien spaceship. It's the moon, you know, or it's a shooting star. I mean, you're, you're much more likely to find those things than you are to find an alien spacecraft, but... That doesn't mean those things don't exist. I don't know why we're so quick to jump to that that conclusion that it, it, it's definitely an alien spaceship. I mean, these are just things that I was thinking about over the weekend. And um, last night I had to get some other thoughts out. Tonight I'm just kind of dumping these thoughts out. But you know, I I, I finally got my fiance to sit down and we watched uh, the Terminator. She's never seen the Terminator, and uh, we started to watch the second Terminator. And we got we got uh, caught up doing some other stuff. She had to make a phone call, and I decided to read a little bit. And she was asking me what what the second movie was was about. She said, "You know, I don't know if I think I I think I saw that movie." And I said, "Yeah, with like the liquid metal guy, right? He's he he's like he's a robot, but he turns into you know puddles of metal, and you can blow holes through him with with guns, and then it kind of morphs back." And she's like, "I think I think I might have seen that, but I don't I don't remember." And you know, I was I was thinking about that because I remember. I, and I and I told her I said you know scientists have actually created a uh, very very simple form of this self uh, maintaining reassembling and and self powered uh, liquid metal that can shape uh, transform its shape and that can that can move on its own accord. Uh, there's a, a the metal called gallium. Uh, it's one of the very few metals that turns into liquid at room temperature. And uh, traditionally, scientists have kind of been irked by this metal uh, because when it turns to liquid at room temperature, its surface oxidizes and this like kind of like a skin forms over the liquid. So kind of creating what looks like a, you know, like a waterbed or something. So, uh, you know, scientists have been studying this material and and they determine that, hey, we could actually use this 
to create something that's kind of, uh, you know, robotic, that we could turn this into something that is, um, it, that, that's more electronic. You know, it's, it's a soft, flexible, stretchable, reconfigurable material. It could be used for antennas. It could be used for, uh, you know, from antennas to robots. Um, there are a lot of different applications of this technology, uh, and this was back in 2014. Uh, the National Science Foundation, the NSF, was discussing this this uh, liquid metal um, and talking about how it could be used in watches, it could be used in uh, medical devices, uh, or the NSF said that it could be used in the field of soft robotics. That's what the NSF said. So, I mean, it's not just a stretch of the imagination. This is what the National Science Foundation and it's what top scientists are wanting to use the metal for. They call it soft robotics. Then, it wasn't very long after the National Science Foundation, they published an article in 2014 on that. There was a story in The New Scientist and some other publications A little under a year after the NSF published that story, this was in 2015, scientists figured out a way to create the very thing that the NSF was speculating on, and they basically created a a very miniature version of the T-1000, the shape-shifting liquid robot from the Terminator 2. This is mainstream science. They've created a miniature version of this robot. Now, it's not, it's not going around and killing people, as far as we know, but it's a little bit of liquid metal. It's gallium. And uh, they mixed uh, some other metals in with it, and they placed, they, they put like tin and some other stuff in it, uh, and they put it into a sodium hydroxide uh, solution, or they put it into a brine, um, and they keep it in contact with a little bit of aluminum, which fuels it. And it moves around by itself for up to an hour. That's how long it's, it's powered. Um, it can travel in a straight line. It can move around the outside of a circular dish. And um, eerily, it can squeeze through complex shapes. And if you go to the New Scientist, uh, or you just type in online, liquid metal brings shape-shifting robot a step closer you can see a video of it. And it's kind of, if you've seen the Terminator, you know, obviously that's where this ends. But we're not there yet, at least officially. We're just in the laboratory with what looks like um, some kind of little metallic ball. Uh, or, uh, you know, if you go to an arcade, the little tiny metal ball, balls that you get when you play the arcade games, it's just a little metal ball. And it doesn't, doesn't look that harmful. It kind of rolls around in these little uh, pre-assembled mazes, and uh, it moves by itself. And uh, it's kind of eerie because if you watch the whole video, it's like two minutes long. You can see this little metallic ball. Uh, it will de-solidify. It's not really solid, but it looks solid. It de-solidifies, and then when the current is removed around the ball, which turns it into a liquid. When the current's removed, it immediately turns back into a ball. So they run a current through the ball, and it disperses 
into what looks like liquid, and then when they remove the current, it gets sucked back up into a ball. Now, I don't understand all the technicalities of this or, you know, the engineering components of this or even the, you know, the basic, uh, you know, the, the, the chemistry, the chemical components of this. I, I don't fully understand all this, but I'm watching the scientists do it in the video. And, of course, it's a little bit disturbing. Uh, obviously, you know, the fact that the new scientists and others are referring to pop culture you know, indicates that there's kind of that tongue-in-cheek, it's kind of like a laugh, you know, look at this piece of material. I mean, this obviously isn't a a shape-shifting liquid metal killer robot from the future. It's just a piece of material in a laboratory. But then you have to think, I mean, did, you know, in in the Terminator universe, did the machines one day just, develop themselves did they just manufacture themselves or did humans build those machines and then give access to all of humanity's computing systems robots machines everything to skynet you know humans built skynet in fact skynet was built by a person who wanted to you know automate things for for humans to make life easier uh, for airline pilots to make it easier to, you know, to, to, to be a pilot so they could get some rest. And it's like these, in the, in the story of the Terminator, these were things that were developed to benefit humanity. And um, if you parallel that with what we see in our world outside of Hollywood, which is just a big smokescreen, just a big magical ritual, we find that, Obviously, these things have to be invented first. So you can sit and you can laugh at the metal ball rolling around like some kind of, you know, uh, you know, metal, like those little tiny games for kids, the little metal ball, and they kind of, they tilt the little piece of plastic and they can get the ball to roll into different holes or different parts of the maze. You can look at it like that, like this is just a big boy version. This is just scientists in a laboratory. But I, I, I don't find that to be you know, applicable to an honest discussion on the subject or, you know, sincere concern that if this is back in 2015, there obviously had to be some type of lead up to its development. And since technology seems to exponentially increase with every new technological development, we could imagine in the last six years, this technology has been greatly amplified. In fact, I would suggest that if scientists in a laboratory can develop something like this, and this was done this was done in China at the Tsinghao University in Beijing, if scientists can do this in a laboratory in Beijing, then you better believe that the Chinese government, the Russian government, the US government and other governments can do the same thing and probably far more in their military laboratories, you know. And, of course, a lot of that stuff is taken from universities like uh, We They go to universities. DARPA goes to universities to recruit. And, of course, the military isn't interested in this little metal ball so that they can, you know, they, they can play around with it in a laboratory and make funny videos. They're interested in it for, for war. They're interested in it for weapons. They're interested in it for, you know, it's so comical 
but to create the very thing that we see in sci-fi, to create the very thing we see in, you know, popular culture like the Terminator. Um, I mean, I, I just don't understand why these types of things, why it's, it's crazy to find this video of the metal sphere uh, self-assembling just like the T-1000 in the Terminator. I don't see why that's funny. I don't see why that's comical. I mean, when I look at that, that's kind of terrifying to me. When you when you look at these videos, you you, know, you watch those science videos where there's like robot dogs wandering around and they're opening doors and the guys with the hockey sticks are beating the shit out of the dogs. And, you know, people make jokes and they, and they say, you know, oh, well, those dogs, when they become fully autonomous, they're going to remember being beaten by the hockey stick and they're going to come back and kill the scientist or the engineer. And it's like, yeah, that's funny, but... You know, in all in all, you know, realness here, in all sincerity here, let's let's really think about what's being developed by MIT, what's being developed by Boston Dynamics, what's being developed by DARPA. I mean, how many years ago? It wasn't a lot. It wasn't a long time ago. I can tell you that. How many years ago did you look at those robot dogs, that spot dog, and those those cheetah robots and the Atlas robot doing backflips off of boxes and fun like dun 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 dun, dun music playing behind it, and they're like, oh look, they're just robots opening doors. How long ago? Again, it wasn't that long ago did people say, well, that's just like PR. They're developing those for war. They're going to put guns on those things. Oh, no, they're developing them in case there's an earthquake. The dogs can run in and they can lift debris off of the old lady. It always has to be an old lady because you have to appeal to people's emotions. The old grandma who didn't do anything, whose condo collapsed in an earthquake in San Francisco, and then they... They, they, they jettison the dogs in. The dogs run around. If, you if you're not seen these the robot dogs, just type in Spot Mini. You'll find them online. These dogs run in. They lift the couch off of Grandma, and they lift up the, the, the support column of the condo, and then they pull Grandma out, and you high-five the dog, and everybody's happy, and then they, they, get, they take the dogs for a walk. Um, that's not what the dogs were ever developed for. That's the PR. And now... Just before the weekend, Popular Mechanics published this. Now we have robo-dogs with sniper rifles. Wasn't well, that funny? The robo-dog with a sniper rifle on its back, you know, like sharks with freaking lasers on their back. They've put a sniper rifle on the robo-dog, and they showed it off at the Association of the U.S. Army's annual convention in Washington, D.C., of course, the RoboDog, this one was called Vision 60, comes from Ghost Robotics, a startup focused on legged robots. I mean, who do you think funds this? These Vision 60 robots were also used in 2020 in U.S. Air Force exercises at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. Ah, Nellis Air Force Base. And it's funny because at the time when they said that these robo-dogs back in 2020 were going to be used for, you know, a military exercise, they said the dogs are just going to kind of patrol the perimeter. They're not going to attack anybody. It's just a test. And it's like, is the public that dumb? Are people that dumb to think the military is telling you they're using what amounts to an advanced quadruped robot mimicking a dog and they're telling the public this why 
Why, why, why would they tell you that they're testing some secret robot at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada? And then why would the, they keep telling the public, well, now we're putting guns on their back? I mean, is it a sick joke? Is it to just breed more contempt for the military to justify military spending? The public hates the military. What is it? Is it to... Is it to just like poke and prod and troll the public? Like, look at us. We've got dogs with machine guns on their back, with sniper rifles on their back. Well, don't, don't, don't say anything. It's just it's a small startup company. You think, what, what do you think the, the small startup company just, they make it themselves? They flew it out to Nellis Air Force Base. The military has no hand, no signature in the matter. Go look at it. Go look at the Robo Dog. Go look at the, the Vision 60 or the Spot Dog. It's all the same tech. And they used them to patrol the perimeter at Nellis Air Force Base, and now they're using them to put, you know, guns on their back. You don't think, what do you, what do you, like, what, what do people think? Do they think like they just created these dogs and they're like, yeah, I really want this dog to be an earthquake sniffing dog, and it goes in and it finds, how many earthquakes happen every day that destroy whole cities that you need robot dogs for? You know? So I want this dog to go in and help grandma. And then the dog's just kind of hopping and prancing by, and you're taking it for a walk in the dog park. This is a machine, mind you. And someone's like, wait a minute. Hey, Bob, come over here. You know what I just thought? We, we could put a sniper rifle in the back of this dog. And Bob's like, oh, shit, I didn't think of that. Well, we've got to run that up the ladder to DARPA. DARPA's going to want to know about this. You know, is that how people think the conversation goes? No, it's like, let's create something that's kind of colloquial, kind of, you know, fun, man's best friend, and let's show it to the public to get them acclimated to it. Let's put it in the X-Files, which it was. Let's put it in Black Mirror, which it was. And let's make those dogs really aggressive and angry in Black Mirror and in the X-Files. And then the public will be really concerned with it. Then when we release this to the public and say, look, we've got the dogs, people are like, whoa, 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 why are you creating these things? They went after the lady in Black Mirror and Metalhead. They they went after Fox and, and Scully and the X-Files. Why would you create that? They're like, no, no, these aren't the same dogs. These dogs are cool. Okay, this is man's best friend. They're opening doors. We hit them with the hockey stick. They just push the stick away and they keep trying to open the door. They're fun. Look at the videos. We're fun people. And then someone's like, hey, let's put a machine gun on that dog's back. And you think like DARPA's just sitting around a table going, I don't know about that. I don't know about putting guns on these dogs. That sounds kind of dangerous. Ah, come on. What are you talking about? Let's put a sniper rifle on the dog's back. Well, I guess, I guess the military could maybe use these things. And it's like the military already uses drones with weapons on them. I mean, Mike, and I really don't have an answer to this. My question is, why are they telling the public? about these dogs with the guns on their back. Why? They already have drones, ground drones, aerial drones with with weapons. So why is this like a new thing? And why is it so crazy to think that these humanoid robots or the the cheetah robot or the you know the the atlas is the human like robot that does the backflip, you know, wh- why is it so difficult to to conceive that they're they're giving these things guns? They're literally building the T robots from the Terminator, and then pissing in your face and telling you it's raining when they're like, no, these are just fun robots to open doors and to, you know, you can beat them with hockey sticks. And you, I mean, I guess that's how they're supposed to be marketed. You go to the, you go to Walmart, you guys have the, uh, the spot mini. 
Yeah, we got a couple of them in the back. Now, I can beat that with a hockey stick and it won't attack me, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's no guns on it? No, there's no guns on it. Is that like... <laughs> I'm just rambling here, but this is this is what I think about on a daily basis. This is what I think, and this is why you know I sit down and I try to create, I try to create content that I think is interesting. This is just like the musings of my brain. But to get real serious here, when you think about what the scientists created in this laboratory in Beijing, they created the the, the precursor to the T1000 robot. And whether pop culture and science fiction, like the Terminator, inspired that is really irrelevant. It doesn't matter which came first. It doesn't matter if the movie came first and then they developed this, or if this was a real thing that inspired the movie. And then scientists were like, well, now that the movie's been out for a couple of years, you know, a couple decades, and now that people are acclimated to it, now we can reveal to the public what we developed 50 years ago. It's possible. I don't know. But what I do know is that exists. That's a real thing. And when I see that metal sphere rolling around, I think of something else. You ever seen Independence Day? Remember Independence Day, the, 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 the second one, when you kind of learn more about the, the, the harvesters, these aliens that came in the first movie? And I thought the second Independence Day was pretty horrific. But there's something in Independence Day, and I won't give away any spoils if, spoilers if you haven't seen it. There's something in Independence Day resurgence that... Um, you know, they really didn't promote it. It wasn't part of the synopsis of the movie, but there's something in it that's really important. There's a sphere that comes down to Earth, and they've got this thing at Area 51, and it's like a combination of all of the, the intelligence of an entire species in this sphere. So it's a mixture of artificial and natural intelligences. And it belongs to an advanced race of aliens that shed their biological existence and then they transferred all their consciousness into artificial bodies. Um, and their planet was destroyed by the, by the hostile alien race that they called the Harvesters, the ones that came in the first Independence Day. And the Sphere is the last survivor of this, you know, uh, combined species of aliens and it travels to planets to inform uh the 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 people or the things the aliens on these planets how to build weapons and how to defeat these harvester aliens now of course you might remember an alien sphere that's a little more popular than the one in alien resurgence and that of course is the sphere from the movie sphere which came out in the late 1990s it's got a dustin hoffman in it and uh, this movie kind of deals with like a little bit of what seems like time travel and portals. And, but you find that in the movie, they go into this spaceship um, at the bottom of the ocean. And uh, again, without giving away any spoilers, they come into this room with this giant spherical object. It's like a golden sphere. And the spherical object plays on their... Uh, you know, their, their biggest fears, and it manifests them when they interact with it. So this giant alien-like sphere in the movie sphere is kind of like a, a, a neutral form of consciousness, I would call it. And when you interact with it, it, it expands your consciousness to the point where you 
can manifest things and you're not even aware that you're manifesting them. It manifests your greatest fears. All right. So keeping that in, you know, in consideration, um, there's a story back in the 1970s in Florida. Um, it's a story I heard about a long time ago and I just was reminded of it by, by thinking about these, these like spheres or these spherical objects. Um, there's newspaper reports on it, but you know you might not have heard this story. So, 1974, Fort George Island, Florida, a metal sphere is found after a fire on the property of a family named Betts. They found this sphere, what some called, um, you know, like a cannonball. Uh, they found it free of corrosion, very clean, very shiny. And this isn't a story that just hit the tabloids and disappeared. It's a story that ends with military government involvement. And the Betts family said, some of their friends said, that uh, this sphere would move on its own. It would follow them. And depending on the, uh, the location of the sphere, it would interact differently with its surrounding environment. The sphere, if they took it out in direct sunlight it would begin to move, quote, intensely when they put, you know, the sphere next to the, you know, a, a dog. The dog, the family dog, um, began to whimper and cover its ears as if it was hearing something or like a high-pitched frequency, like a dog whistle that humans can't, can't hear. So a lot of people investigated this sphere. And uh, some said that it was just a sphere. It was just an object that was manufactured. Others said that it was an alien, you know, thing from somewhere else. And uh, to this day, there isn't really a conclusive um, verdict on this sphere, except that there's a legend that has grown around it. But it's interesting because other spheres have been found all over the earth. In fact, the Bet sphere is not the first sphere to be found in the last 50 years. Other spheres have been found in Spain. Several spheres actually fell out of the sky and uh, struck the ground. And uh, there's no understanding of what these things are, at least officially or unofficially. Three spheres fell in Spain back in 2015. And they made these big impressions in the ground. And uh, at the time, back in 2015, they were put in a quarantine. Uh, Other spheres have fallen out of the sky in uh, Africa back in 2011. Uh, Just big balls of, of metal. Now, obviously... The, uh, the first solution to answering the question of what these things are is, you know, looking at them on a case-by-case basis. What are the details of the case? The second question, I think, is, is it space debris? And the third question is, if it's not space debris or if it's questionable if it is space debris, then obviously, where did it come from and what is it? And just because... It's, um, you know, something that we can understand how it was manufactured doesn't mean that humans manufactured it. 
And I find it strange that when we understand how something mysterious was manufactured, we're like, well, humans must have done that. And when we can't understand how something's manufactured, like the Antikytherin device or the Baghdad battery for that matter, we say, well, it still wasn't aliens, but we just, it's, still, it's, a, it's just a mystery. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. I'll tell you a little bit more about the spheres, about aliens, extraterrestrials, the philosophy, the psychology of it, and a lot more here tonight on the broadcast. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Check out the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Grab a book, subscribe to the show, support what we do. Go to Patreon, become a patron. Talk to you in the next hour. Stay with us. the void with the secret teachings of all ages it's ktlk digital broadcasting the fringe fm do you like the secret teachings and ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult then check out ryan's books Available in PDF and soft cover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and I want to share something very interesting with you. It's no mistake that the CDC began recommending masks in April of 2020, and that people immediately had trouble adapting or breathing, just a few weeks before George Floyd died in Minneapolis. After his death, people began chanting, I can't breathe, on May 26th. It's no mistake that in June, this man with black skin, who had been turned into a god, was placed into a golden coffin, a real-life reenactment of the killing of Osiris in Egyptian myth. It's no coincidence the same month that this took place in the Twin Cities, a twin summit was taking place with the World Economic Forum, the implications of which we look at on The Secret Teachings. And these are the patterns and observations that we make on the show five nights a 
week, broadcasting on The Fringe FM. For more information, check out thesecretteachings.info or email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Are you thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhanced and improved sound quality, edit out those awkward pauses and slips, mix multiple clips and tracks, back volumes, deliver consistent sound, live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload to hosting, live call screening, balance levels and loud displacement broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, show artwork. Or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire. Visit thefringe.fm, join our team, and get jump started on your podcast today. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. What are you doing on Wednesdays? I want to invite you to join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where I provide commentary and invite guests on to talk about UAPs, conspiracies, current events, nature of reality, consciousness, and of course, the paranormal. Listen to The Rogie Report every Wednesday live at 6 p.m. Pacific. 9 p.m. Eastern here on the Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. For a lot longer than most podcasts have been around, The Secret Teachings has been at the forefront of unique investigation into both the mundane and the extraordinary. Critical thought and controlled speculation allowed us to determine that the much-anticipated UAP report would be vague, unexplained, and would simply imply the need for defense against national security threats. We determined that sonic weapons were the cause of Havana Syndrome a full year before CNN acknowledged the same. We told you about the mind-controlled magic, sex slavery, and intellectual theft in the music industry long before Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, and we've been removed from radio for refusing to censor our show over international child trafficking networks and sex cults long before Epstein didn't kill himself. This has been done with no budget, only your support, and a will to learn and succeed. And you can continue to be a part of The Secret Teachings journey as we broadcast Monday through Friday after lighting the void with Joe Roop, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, brings you exclusively The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for tuning in this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. We broadcast on the Fringe FM, the Fringe FM application, talk stream Live, and the Paranormal Radio app, as well as our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. If you missed any of our previous broadcasts, or if you missed any of tonight's show, you can go to the website, There are about 40 free shows that I keep there on the website that I keep updated. You can download or stream, but you can subscribe to the full show archive to get access to all the shows, 
all the montages, and all of my books in digital form for weekly, monthly, or a yearly subscription, which will get you a physical copy of one of my books as well. So that's the uh, best and the biggest deal that we have. Just visit the website. And when you subscribe, can't say this any more sincerely, you are the reason that we are on air Monday through Friday here on The Fringe. When you subscribe, that's how we make the money to pay the bills. When you buy a book, that's how we make the money to pay the bills. And that is the honest to God's truth. I cannot be more sincere. You are the reason that this show remains on air five nights a week. So thank you so much. If you're a patron, if you've bought a book, two books, three books, some people buy books for friends or family. If you have subscribed to the show, whether you've supported us for one day or you've supported us for one year or you've supported us from the beginning. You know, I am truly astounded that there are people that still listen to this show uh, from the old days at uh, the college radio station over a decade ago. It's uh, very humbling, so thank you very much. If you'd like to contact us, rdgable at yahoo.com. That's rdgable at yahoo.com. And, of course, facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. So I was watching the uh, Terminator the other night. I got my fiance to watch it over the weekend. Uh, she's never seen the uh, the Terminator, and uh, she thought she had seen the second Terminator. And so we started to watch it, and um, we decided to save it for another night. We we don't always watch movies. But we were talking about it, and I and I said, you know, remember the second Terminator? She was trying to, you know, we were talking about it to see if you know she, she had seen it or not. And I said, you know, the liquid metal guy, right? And she said, eh, it kind of sounds familiar. And I said, you know, that's like that's a real thing. Like scientists have actually created like a real liquid metal that reassembles itself. That is like that's autonomous, that moves, um, that is self-powered in essence. And she said, no, I I didn't know that. And, um, you know, I wanted to go look that up again because sometimes, you know, I wonder, is my memory always that sound? So I went to look it up and I forgot the name of the universities. It's Tsinghao University in Beijing, China. They unveiled a shape-shifting metal ball that, uh, according to the new scientist, brings shape-shifting robot a step closer. And um, I kind of attribute this little metallic ball that these scientists created in China, I kind of uh, attribute it to, or parallel it, I should say. I think parallel is the best way to, to define it. I parallel it to the stories of the, uh, the robot dogs that we see in the news. And the reason I parallel it is because, you know, these robot dogs or the, the cheetah robots or the Atlas robot, the things, you know, that Ghost Robotics, MIT, Boston Dynamics and DARPA are creating, they always show them like jumping over a box or they're beating the shit out of them with hockey sticks or, you know, they're trying to prevent the dog from opening the door. And, you know, then people make videos and it's like just fun music and robots running around and it's kind of cool. And, you know, then you saw there's like there's an episode of Ancient Aliens where Giorgio Sukalos goes to I think it's UCLA or something and they've got, you know, some nerds in there building robots and you know, these robots are just like the most basic, simple thing that you can build. You go to, you know, a, a robot class or something, or what, what do they call them, like robot camp or robo camp. You go build a robot, you learn basic code. It's just that kind of stuff. But, you know, 
the military isn't playing around with a robot that can kick a ball or jump over a box. I mean, they're funding this because they're funding anything and everything that can be beneficial to the military. And so to compare the story of the liquid metal to these robot dogs, I always think they make the robot dogs look real fun. You know, it's just like man's best friend. And then just before the the weekend, on Friday of last week, Popular Mechanics published a story about the U.S. Army's annual convention in Washington, D.C., where the Association of, of, of the U.S. Army's uh, annual convention unveiled the robo-dog from Ghost Robotics called Vision 60 with a sniper rifle on its back. Is that a shark with a freaking laser beam on its freaking head? It's a robo-dog with a freaking sniper rifle on its freaking back. And of course, anyone who said that's not what the dogs are for had to eat quite a bit of crow. I don't know if that's denial or it's sincerity. They wouldn't put machine guns on robots. I guess it's technically not a machine gun. It's a sniper rifle. Or, you know, back in 2020, they used these dogs to conduct a test, an exercise, at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. Don't worry, they don't have guns. No, now they have guns. It's kind of the same thing with the metal ball. It's like, it's just a fun little metal ball rolling around. You know, Singhao University in Beijing, China, they create this little metallic ball. And they apply an electrical charge, it changes shape, and then when they remove the electric charge, it'll go from a dispersed liquid into back into its original form, just like the T-1000 in Terminator. And it's all kind of quirky and like, oh, look, we created a metal ball that's just like the Terminator. Have a good time playing with this thing. But they're going to put the machine gun on the metal ball. You know that, right? They're going to put the sniper rifle on the metal ball. That, that, I, I hope people realize that. So, you know, even in the Terminator, like if you were to practically look at the Terminator, you know, timeline, they, they, there's so many of them and they made those new movies that kind of suck, I think. But, you know, if you look at that timeline, like in the movie, it's about humans creating machines and AI and then giving control of all of our technology, all of our, you know, robots and machines and planes and everything to the machines, thinking that we would be in control. Then Skynet takes over and decides that humans need to be exterminated. And that, of course, is the the absolute worst scenario for humans, perhaps the absolute best scenario for machines, but the absolute worst scenario for human beings, as described in The Terminator. But at some point, if you were to make a prequel to The Terminator, somebody had to build these machines, and they show you that in some of the later Terminators. They show you the guy building Skynet in his house, and his wife wants him to come in to spend time with the family. The guy's building Skynet in his house. He's building the AI system. Somebody had to develop that. And he's like, no, nah, it's just for planes, like to make them autonomous and to help pilots. And he wasn't building a system of total, you know, human destruction, total, you know, complete and uh, apocalypse. He was building something to help. And that's what these researchers are constantly doing in laboratories, at universities and in the military. They're building things to to help. The robo-dog's supposed to help. And the, and the metal that that liquefies and then turns back into a ball, you know, instantaneously, that's meant to help. 
and then bad things happen as a result. So you can laugh at the dogs, but now there's a sniper rifle, so I don't think you should probably be laughing anymore. For your own sake, anyway. There's a metallic ball, and we laugh. Oh, it's funny. It's like the Terminator. What do you think they're doing with that metal ball? You don't think that they're trying to make robots out of that? I mean, the National Science Foundation said, well, we can make watches. We can use this flexible material and, you know, we could, they could put it in, you know, gloves and lab tech equipment. And then it's like prosthetics and we're helping people. But we could also use it in robotics. But let's keep that hush hush. Well, what do you think they're doing with it? Right? So... You think of these like metallic balls that 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 or metallic substances that liquefy. It's made out of gallium, which is liquid at room temperature. But then they can they can turn it into what looks like a solid object. So I was thinking about these uh, these things, and I I remember hearing uh, this was back in the seventies, and I'm not that old, but I remember hearing this story. Uh, what is now called the Betts Mystery Sphere. And, of course, uh, Popular Mechanics and others labeled it a conspiracy theory. I don't know how it's a conspiracy theory, but it's, it's a real metal object. Um, but it took place in 1974 on Fort George Island near the home of the Betts family. There's a fire uh, that uh, burned a, 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 a bunch of brush, a big fire. And um, the Betts family, uh, having investigated after the fire, found this mysterious, shiny, uh, unscathed metal ball. And um, this little ball has been investigated by researchers. It's been investigated by the military, by skeptics and whatever believers might be. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's just a cannonball. But that's that's not really what, um, the evidence suggests others say well it's just something that was that humans manufactured and that's not necessarily what the the evidence suggests some um, gary betts said that the family dog when it was set next to the sphere the dog began to whimper and to cover her ears with her paws as if you know she was hearing or feeling something that was that was uncomfortable that was according to a 1974 interview and the St. Petersburg Times. St. Petersburg is actually uh, where I grew up. And um, they said that when they put the sphere outside in sunlight, it began to move intensely. They said that the sphere would follow them, uh, would move with them. It's kind of you know an eerie thing to think about. So the military actually uh, began to analyze this, this thing. Uh, first, an expert from... Um, a research firm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, examined this sphere uh, and found radio waves coming from it and a magnetic field around it. Then uh, the U.S. Navy analyzed the sphere at the Jacksonville Naval Air, uh, Air Station. A Navy spokesman told the St. Petersburg Times that the Navy's first X-ray attempts failed because its, quote, machine wasn't strong enough to penetrate the steel but two subsequent tests showed the contents of the globe, end quote. If you go into some more of the details about it, um, some believed that this sphere, because of its internal components, amounted to, uh, amounted to something like an atomic weapon. Uh, 
and others go in the complete opposite direction and just deny that there's any evidence that this is anything but just a piece of metal. I don't care one way or another. But that's not the only time this has happened. That was back in the 70s. In more recent times, in 2015, over a period of a couple of weeks, three spheres fell out of the sky in Spain. They were put under quarantine because they didn't know what they what they were. They didn't know if they could be they could be dangerous. I mean, they could be radioactive or they could be, you know, something that was man-made that came crashing back down to earth, space debris, if you will. Same thing happened a couple of years before that in 2011 in Africa. Namibia, Africa was the location of a giant metallic space ball that fell to Earth, and it looks very, very manufactured. It might be space debris. I don't know. But if you keep researching this, you're going to find a lot more. In Vietnam, these same balls fell out of the sky in 2016. There's pictures of them. Giant metal balls, not as shiny as the the Betts ball, but giant metal balls anyway. Uh, the one in Vietnam looks very similar to the ball in Spain. Um, could very much, could very well be some type of, uh, you know, human-made object. It's not completely smooth. There's a little um, opening on the side of the ball in Vietnam. But there's uh, there's other stories like, some giant balls that fell out of the sky. Um, and the, uh, some of these stories, if you look them up, uh, it's just it's baffling. Um, there's a giant uh, version of this ball that was, uh, these giant balls have been found um, in Peru. Um, they've been found uh, pretty much from from Peru to Spain, to the United States, uh, these balls have been found all over all over the planet, and they they usually come uh, with uh, with a, a blink of light uh, screeching across the sky, and then they they crash into the ground, and the locals find them. Uh, but these giant balls of metal uh, have been spotted all over the world. Uh, British, the Russians, the Peruvians have all found these metal balls. And um, as of 2018, uh, there were a series of events that took place in Britain, Russia, and Peru um, where these fireballs came raining down. So Britain, Russia, Vietnam, Peru, Spain, Africa, the list goes on and on. Each individual story, of course, is just, you know, mysterious sphere, mysterious ball. But they're not all like the Betts ball. They're not all like the Betts sphere. Some of them are very similar to each other. They look like some kind of space debris. But maybe they're not. Maybe they're something more than that. I mean, the ones that fell in Vietnam look like some kind of space debris. But some of the other ones are not necessarily, you know, something from a from a satellite or something from a uh, you know a, a a a shuttle or something you know something that broke off or just junk that the shuttle dumped in space and that came crashing back down to earth i mean if it if it were those things 
unless there's some intention to create an alternative narrative, why would NASA or the European Space Agency or the Chinese or why would agencies not be like, well, that's definitely just space debris and then tell us what it is like they're all obviously very similar. So it's probably some part, some component of something. So what is it? Tell us what it is. Unless, you know, the intent is to um, create this narrative that it's some kind of alien technology. Um, I don't know. But I find this interesting for a couple of different reasons. One, if you watch the movie Independence Day Resurgence, you learn about the aliens that came in the first movie. What you find is that there is... There is this uh, this this race of aliens called the Harvesters. That's what you know. We, we learn what other alien races call them in the universe, and um, they go from planet to planet, harvesting the resources and 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 just destroying that whatever civilization is there. And uh, so, one um, species, one group of extraterrestrials, they they kind of transcended their physical bodies and they uploaded themselves into machines and uh, their race was then wiped out by the harvesters and they put all their consciousness, like everything about this, the, the intelligence, the knowledge, everything was put into this big white sphere that would go from planet to planet and warn other planets of this coming invasive force that was going to destroy their civilization and they would help them build weapons and help them defend against this alien invasion. That's the story in Independence Day. And uh, you find in the movie, um, they've got this big white sphere at Area 51. And they've kept it in a, in a room. And they've kept it kind of, you know, very, very secret, of course. And uh, in the movie, without giving away any spoilers, you learn more about the details. But it's just, it's a big sphere. It came to Earth and then it and it left, and it just traveled, you know, in, into space. And at the beginning of that movie, they they actually show uh, another very very large giant sphere. It's it's huge. It's a massive object uh, near the moon. And um, what's interesting to me about that is I I think of the uh, the story by Michael Creighton, Sphere that was turned into a movie in the '90s with Dustin Hoffman, and it's about you know, this team of researchers, they go down into uh, what amounts to what they think is an alien spaceship. And uh, they go through the ship and they end up finding this giant sphere uh, in the ship. And when they interact with it, they're unaware that it essentially expands their their level of awareness and consciousness to the point that their subconscious fears start to actually physically manifest. Whatever they're scared of, it starts to physically manifest. And the sphere isn't really good or evil, um, but the sphere activates something when you act when you interact with it that gives you this ability. Even though you're not really aware that you have this ability, bad things just start happening. You know, uh, bad thoughts are much harder. Uh, or much easier to to allow, harder to control um, than uh, other thoughts. I mean, it's why evil is easier to do, right? So it's easier to be evil, but it's not as easy to be good. You have to really focus to be good. You have to focus to meditate. But to just let your thoughts run wild and let them be destructive, that's really easy to do. It's not, it's not um, 
you know, a, a difficult thing to allow that to happen. So then I start thinking of, um, you know, the show we did last week. We did a show. Uh, I jokingly called it Ancient Human Theorists Believe. Um, it's about a bunch of, uh, you know, incredible structures from Pumupunku to Machu Picchu to Gigantija to Newgrange to Baalbek, Nanmadal, um, to the Giza pyramids and others that uh, many today, both in archaeology, uh, the general sciences overall, you know, people just can't really under- identify how these things were built, um, especially, you know, places like Gobekli Tepe that completely defy uh, our modern understanding of history, uh, agriculture, uh, social development, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And alongside of these, these enormous structures and these incredible places, you have anonymous artifacts like the Antikythera mechanism, which is a computer system, uh, or the Klerksdorp spheres found in Africa that date back over three and a half billion years. And if they were manufactured artificially... I mean, that would indicate that our understanding of the 4.5 billion year timestamp of Earth is completely wrong unless these spheres came from somewhere else and had been manufactured. And I suggested in that show that maybe it wasn't so much, you know, extraterrestrials. Maybe it was an ancient human civilization or a parallel human civilization. Something like that. I I don't know. But we talked about that last week. And and I mentioned briefly anomalous things that have been found all over the planet. Not metallic balls that fall out of the sky, but giant stone spheres. These giant stone spheres are probably most popular in places like Costa Rica, where you can find some places where they're, they're partly in the ground, partly above ground. Some, sometimes there's just like big piles of them, just giant stone spheres that... Um, some of them that have been analyzed are perfect circles, are, are close to like 96, 97, 90%, almost perfect circles. How could that have been done with rudimentary stone tools? And why were they creating in Costa Rica or in any part of the world giant stone spheres that look very similar to, uh, you know, and have a very similar relationship to the idea that ancient man tried to mimic? Uh, the gods, whether they were mythological gods that had been manifested in, in their culture that they created as you know archetypes and part of the myth, or they were aliens. Uh, these spheres are found all over the world. They didn't come from space. They were manufactured by something or someone. You could find pictures of these uh, all over the place. They're really incredible. I want to tie all this together when we come back from break. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings on the Fringe FM. The music is White Bat Audio. And we'll talk to you in just a few minutes. Stay with us. listen to this and again you know people say david has no evidence david has no evidence but 
I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM and join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and like my show, I like to associate with people and companies who are passionate about taking steps to a healthier life. Pro One Water Filters brings you simple-to-use systems for the home, business, and even the shower. They filter fluoride, heavy metals, and more, and their shower heads stop chlorine from being vaporized and inhaled. I personally use their systems now for five years, and they're worth every penny sincerely. Our other affiliate, US Plus Health, is a small American company specializing in hydrogen peroxide solutions, isopropyl alcohol, and hand sanitizers with no additional ingredients like ethanol, chloride, or methanol. They use 100% U.S. materials at an FDA-registered facility. Their simple, non-toxic formulations are both safe and gentle. They evaporate quickly and leave no residue or stickiness. They're even recommended by the CDC, FDA, and WHO as opposed to other toxic chemicals like QACs. Find links to these affiliates, Pro One Water Filters, and U.S. Plus Health on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info for links, or visit usplushealth.com and type in the promo code TSTCLEAN. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. 
If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions, and uh, I'd be willing to come back at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion, so thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from whatonearthishappening.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, broadcasting Monday through Friday here on The Fringe FM. I want to draw your attention tonight to a 1974 story from Florida about a sphere, now known as the Betts Sphere, was found on the property of the Betts family after a fire. The sphere was metallic, very shiny and it was not disturbed by the fire. The sphere supposedly followed behind family members when they walked. It acted strangely in the sun, and when their dog was around this object, the dog whimpered and covered its ears. Scientists analyzed the object, and in some analysis couldn't penetrate the object with x-rays to see what was underneath of it, uh, what was inside of it. Others were able to penetrate it and found that there was a strange uh, series of smaller spheres inside of the object, according to one report, that had a very, very uh, heavy uh, weight to them, a heavy mass to them. And uh, this led some to believe that the object could be some kind of weapon, that it could be similar to a nuclear device. Um, The military looked at this thing. The Navy looked at this thing. Um, They found... uh, radio waves coming from it. Maybe that's what affected the, the dog. Um, regardless of what you think about this, this story, though, alien artifact uh, or it's something that man manufactured or something else, it's interesting because it parallels a number of stories from 2011 in Namibia, Africa. According to Pop Psy, a mysterious metallic ball fell from space to Earth in Africa and it has baffled authorities, according to the 2011 headline. They didn't know what it was. Couldn't figure it out. And um, no one knew what this thing was, where it came from. 
Uh, NASA, the European Space Agency, were uh, contacted. And um, there's no uh, identifiable reason. So it might sound like a one-off story. It has nothing to do with the Beth's sphere until you start looking into the news and doing research. And you find, well, a couple of years later, spheres fell out of the sky, three of them, in Spain. Spheres fell out of the sky in Vietnam. Back in 2018, spheres fell out of the sky. They were seen in the sky and fell out of the sky in Russia, in Britain, and in Peru. Now, maybe this is just space junk. Maybe it's just space debris. But if we keep weaving this together, we find something else that's very interesting. If you like archaeology, if you like history, maybe you've heard of the stone spheres of Costa Rica, an assortment of 300 petrospheres that no one can actually figure out why they were made, how they were made. They can only speculate. And some of these spheres are virtually perfect spheres, which is even more baffling to scientists. Also, a story that is usually uh, overlooked, uh, just an incredible, if you see the pictures of this, just an incredible um, sight to behold. On an island in Russia, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, um, Camp or Champ Island. It's spelled like Champ, Camp Island in Russia, uh, an island in the central area of Franz Josef Land, Russia. It's part of that's the island group. And uh, if you look at pictures of what they found on this island, you see very large spherical stone balls, and they're kind of placed uh, sporadically along the shore of the water in this uh, island. Some of them are really small. Some of them are really large. Uh, some of them, uh, one of the images of these spheres, has what looks like um, it has a line through the middle of it. You know, Maybe it was like it was screwed together. And, and I'm just using that as a description. I don't think it was screwed together or someone had cut through it. But it looks kind of similar to the Klerkstorp spheres, which are these little metal spheres that were found uh, in Africa. And they date back reportedly billions of years, completely defying everything we think we know about science, history, archaeology, etc. And then, of course, there was the story in Siberia of uh, large stone balls having been unearthed at an excavation site. Um, these balls, though, are not like the balls in Costa Rica. Uh, they're more almost egg-shaped. And according to scientists... These are known as concretions, and they form in sedentary rock when the precipitation of a considerable amount of cementing material around a nucleus, often organic, such as a leaf, tooth, piece of shell, or fossil, once it solidifies and hardens, and it, the, the compact and the uh, compaction and the pressure creates these uh, these objects. But uh, these objects were excavated; they were dug out of the ground, and they weren't seen on top of the ground like in Costa Rica some partly buried, some just kind of hanging out under some trees. Uh, big, uh, what amounts, amounts to like big piles of these things. So, and the very similar thing on the, uh, you know, the island in Russia. So you start looking at these things, it's like 
there doesn't have to be a direct connection, but there's at least a loose connection between all these different things, whether they're metal spheres that fall out of the sky that might be space debris, or they're giant stone spheres that have been popularized by the ones in Costa Rica, but they've also been found in Russia and other parts of the world. Much like these metallic, uh, metallic uh, metal, whatever they are, spheres that have fallen out of the sky all over the world, um, it makes you kind of question what exactly these things are, not just because they're a mystery, but because if things are really coming from from the heavens and they're not space debris, and you can see this in in um, in art and in in history, you can see uh, the sphere, which is of course a symbol of Earth. You can see the sphere in regards to Jesus, in regards to God. You can see angels holding these spheres in some of the uh, um, Christian iconography. I think that relates to the Earth. But others might think that there's a more alien connection. I don't know. I think it relates to the earth. But when you look at history and you find uh, stories of these kinds of things, people saw this in the sky. They saw things crash down to the earth. And we, we're seeing this today. Uh, one of the most recent stories in 2018 about metal balls falling out of the sky. And they're just consistent you know, over the years. And we, would, we could assume, we could presume, based on the evidence, that this has been consistent throughout history. So what is it? Is it just junk that some alien spaceship is dumping on its way to another solar system and Earth is just, a, 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 just some kind of like solar system, galaxy, universal, you know, dumping ground? Or, you know, some people would take that theory and run with it. But, you know... What is, if these things are coming down from from the heavens and they've consistently been doing this and we can't really identify them, the military gets their hands on them, they they kind of disappear. I mean, they haven't done that to the ones in Costa Rica, but that's what makes me think like maybe the ones in Costa Rica, maybe the ones in Russia, these giant spheres that a lot of people try to write off as what you know people found in Siberia, what uh, excavators found in Siberia, these like egg-shaped things. The ones in Costa Rica are not, like that. The ones in Russia are not like that. The ones that have fallen out of the sky that are metal are not like that. They're two completely, totally different things. And although they may form naturally, the ones in Costa Rica above ground probably didn't form naturally, probably formed unnaturally, probably were carved, were, were however they were done. I mean, this is hard rock that they were able, and, and not just one or two, hundreds of them, they were able, the ancient people, were able to like smooth down into almost a perfect sphere. Very hard to comprehend. We have to concede that our knowledge of the past is not what we think it is, that our knowledge of ancient man is not what we think it is, that ancient man wasn't perhaps so primitive, or that perhaps ancient man interacted with things that were not so human, or were not human in the same way that they were. Maybe they were human, but just not human in the same way. Maybe they were more advanced humans. I don't know. I'm just presenting all this to you because I find it really interesting. You know, from the Betts sphere to those in Africa, Spain, Vietnam, and Russia, all of these metallic, uh, Britain and Peru as well, to the stone spheres found in Costa Rica or in Russia and in other parts of the world. It makes me think maybe ancient man dedicated a tremendous amount of time to creating these stone spheres as 
an homage as a, as a symbol, as a, a, a way like the cargo cults um, did when they created, uh, you know, they used, you know, sticks and trees and branches and they used these things to create, uh, you know, planes and to create desks and phones to mimic what the soldiers had done uh, on those islands in the Pacific during the Second World War. And maybe these stone spheres that have been found all over the world are very similar to what um, the cargo cults did. Maybe ancient man created these because spheres in the past had come out of the heavens and had come down onto planet Earth, and maybe they imparted knowledge in a different way. Maybe they didn't impart knowledge through you know iPods and iPhones. Maybe they imparted knowledge consciously. And this led to rapid developments, as some tell us, in human civilization. You know, for example, the jump between Homo sapien Neanderthals and Homo sapien sapiens, which supposedly only go back just about 30,000 years, and there's just huge links that are missing in, you know, the mainline narrative of evolution, though they still stick with the mainline narrative, seeing that there really isn't a missing link in some of these cases. It just seems to be civilization appeared and was at its height and then declined. I mean, that indicates some level of knowledge and understanding and technology that was arguably given to those people. Maybe it wasn't by aliens, you know, that came down in ships and they walked like man. Maybe it was some kind of device, a probe, some kind of technology that imparted information and then left and went somewhere else. And it's funny because that that idea is actually part of the the underlying story of the second Independence Day movie, which came to my mind when I was researching these spheres, where this object that had been housed at Area 51 was a big spherical object. It contained all the knowledge of this this alien race, and they were going planet to planet. Uh, Their civilization had been destroyed by a group of aliens they called the Harvesters, and they were going planet to planet to inform we would say people, but to inform these other aliens um, that there's a group of hostile extraterrestrials that are going to be coming to your planet to harvest resources, and here's how to build weapons to defeat them. And uh, this sphere was the last um, of its kind. It contained all the knowledge of their civilization, and it was going planet to planet, and um, it came to Earth to help us defeat these, these aliens. I mean, that's the narrative in the movie. But, I mean, I don't know how impractical that is when we look at things like the cargo cult. Maybe something like that did come down from the heavens. Maybe something like that did communicate with what we call ancient man. And maybe that's why we don't find a lot of missing links. We don't find, you know, mechanics of spaceships laying around. We don't find, you know, exhaust pipes from a UFO laying around. We don't find tablets laying around with alien writing on them. We find things that were constructed by man, perhaps with the assistance, yes, of extraterrestrials or some artificial intelligence or some biological natural intelligence, but there was no remnants left because it was just a sphere. It was some kind of object that imparted knowledge. You know, like the glowing spheres that come down over crops and create crop circles. There's videos of that. You can hear the electricity crackling and popping. Or maybe they're like the orbs that people take photographs of. I mean, I think that there's some kind of connection between all of this. I mean, whether we're relating theoretically 
Costa Rican and Russian stone spheres to a cargo cult uh, relating to some kind of advanced technology that came down from heaven, imparted knowledge, and left, which would explain why there isn't a lot of or really any evidence of some hyper-advanced alien civilization. There just seems to be evidence of an advanced human civilization that began at the height of its development and then declined from there. But that also just might be a result of we just don't have the evidence, but it did exist at one point, and maybe it wasn't something that was imparted consciously. I I don't know. These are just ideas that I'm throwing around, but there certainly is a connection. There has to be a connection, I think, between the spheres of Costa Rica and Russia and the metal spheres that have fallen out of the heavens, you know, just in the last couple of years, giant balls of metal uh, have fallen out of the sky in Britain, in Russia, in Peru. And going back to 2015, you know, big balls of metal fell out of the sky in Spain. Big balls of metal back in 2011, uh, a giant ball of metal fell out of the sky in, in Africa. And that, of course, reminds us of the 1970s story uh, of the Betts family. And, uh, you know, you can write off every one of these stories, metal balls falling out of the sky, giant stone spheres. You can write them all off as like some natural development or, you know, like a concretion, like the stone spheres that were found in, uh, in um, Siberia. But they're not the same as the ones in Costa Rica. They're not metal. They were found in the earth. They're clearly natural formations. But we can't get a, an identity on the Klerkstorp spheres, which are really tiny spheres that seem to have been manufactured, but they date back I mean, to the point where it's just like we're, we're taking shots in the dark more than ever. They're a couple billion years old. We have no idea how these things were manufactured. The funny thing is, one of the spheres uh, in Russia looks very similar to the Klerkstorp sphere. So what, what does that tell us? There's, there's a connection between these manufactured metal spheres and the concrete-like stone spheres that are found not in the ground like in Siberia, like buried deep, deep, deep down within the earth, but above ground in Costa Rica, above ground in Russia, on basically on the beach in Russia, um, on the island of uh, Camp or Champ, C-H-A-M-P. There, there's a connection probably between all of this. And, you know, there's a, a, a loose, eerie feeling that I get when I read about the, the Xianghao University metal sphere that was created in a, in a laboratory that is a liquid metal, it's mostly gallium, it's a liquid metal at room temperature, but they can, they can alter it with electrical currents and with other metals so that it moves on its own. And it'll go through mazes and it'll, and this is really creepy, according to the new scientist, it will, quote, squeeze through complex shapes by itself and then morph back into its metallic ball structure. That is exactly what the T-1000 did in the Terminator. So is it is it art that's mimicking or pop culture that's mimicking science or is it science that's mimicking art or science that's mimicking pop culture? You know, I've thought that maybe a lot of science fiction is just alien propaganda. Maybe it's alien propaganda to, to convince us these things are natural man-made developments when they're not. Maybe it's like contact. Maybe the information is being transmitted to man. How to build the stone spheres in Costa Rica. How to build non-Madal. How to build Machu Picchu. Maybe there was a direct connection with some kind of entity. Maybe this is the connection with God. We don't really know. 
And I don't like to subscribe to any theory. I don't like to subscribe to an ideology. I just like to look at these things and try to, you know, string them together and find these these parallels and patterns. I mean, ancient man was clearly obsessed with, uh, you know, monuments and, and statues and whether they're stone spheres or, or structures that are made out of stone that, that stand the test of time, many of which are much older than we think, whether the pyramids of Giza or, um, you know, the, the structures in Peru uh, or Bolivia. Uh, these, I mean, these just, or, or on the Yucatan Peninsula, for that matter, uh, one that um, doesn't get mentioned a lot, but one of the most iconic, El Castillo, I think is how you pronounce it, the um, giant pyramid with that beam of light, you know, looked like it was shooting out of it a couple of years ago. Uh, these structures are incredible. And um, then you look back and you think about, you know, the the Kaaba that the Muslims walk around. Uh, and it has that little black stone from space, like a black goo, black oil, right? Or the Omphalus stone, the center of the world. Uh, there's a lot of Omphalus stones, the naval uh, stone. And th- these are found um, all over as well, not just at Delphi. Uh, or the Benben stone uh, of Egypt uh, that came out of the primordial waters first and the god atum was standing on it and created you know the world uh, whether it's the ben ben stone the Amphalus stone or the black stone which we can see uh, at mecca with the black cube there's there's certainly more than just looking at you know something like the kaaba and saying or kabbalah and saying well that's just some muslim superstition and there's more to the Umphalus stone and the Benben stone than just interesting, intriguing historical artifacts. Uh, there's more to the Costa Rican and the Russian spheres than just saying, oh, that's just natural development. And there's more to what these, these apparently alien or some type of metallic spheres that have fallen out of the sky all over the world, uh, going back to the 70s and probably way before that, um, you can even see them, although I argue that these are spheres that represent Earth. Um, you can see them in Christian iconography. Maybe they're just holding a ball. Maybe they're playing ball. I don't know. But there's certainly something more significant and something more profound when you connect all this, when you, when you relate it all together. Um, and I think it even brings us to the metal balls that are like the T-1000 robots that Chinese researchers have developed. Um, and the question, I think, is, you know, where is that technology going? Something to ponder. And what kind of relationship does it share maybe with, uh, you know, strange things that fall out of the heavens that end up taken to military bases or end up, uh, you know, disappearing from public view and uh, are never to be seen again? Well, what exactly does all this mean? I, I can't give you an absolute answer. But what I can tell you is if, as we started the show tonight, if, if the whole basis of acknowledging or not acknowledging extraterrestrials or UFOs is based on the UAP report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, if that's what it's all based on, we're missing a lot of details we're missing a lot of contextual information. And we're only hearing not only what the proverbial they want you to hear, we're only hearing what alternative, if you will, researchers find and reveal. And there's always more to the story. 
and you find that the so-called alternative researchers will obscure details and context just as much as the mainline narrative will, or is, enough, is itself skewed. So all I'm telling you to do is to research it for yourself. Mysterious metal spheres falling out of the sky from Africa in 2011 to Spain in 2015, to Vietnam in 2016, to Russia, Peru, and other places. Of course, a similar metallic sphere found in 1974 on the farm of a family named Betts in Florida. And stone spheres have been found from Costa Rica, the famous stone spheres of Costa Rica, and also in Russia, which are just totally baffling in their quantity, size, structure, and manufacture, unlike the so-called balls found in Siberia in 2016 or the Moqui marbles found in Zion National Park, which are more natural formations that have been dug out of the ground. And then when you look into art, spheres are depicted in Christian iconography, and uh, they likely represent the Earth. In pop culture and science fiction, we find these objects that might be alien in the movie Sphere. And as a spherical artificial intelligence, a part of a collective uploading of the consciousness of an entire alien race in the movie Independence Day Resurgence, this spherical AI consciousness comes to Earth in order to impart knowledge to mankind. And perhaps that is what all of this relates to. And the stone spheres in Costa Rica and Russia are kind of like a cargo cult. I don't know. I'm just looking at all of this, and I find it interesting. I find there to be more of a connection than just the fact that these objects, metallic or stone are spherical. I think there's something more esoteric or occult in the sense that they have a deeper hidden yet to be identified meaning. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you for tuning in this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever and wherever you're listening around the world. Remember, The Secret Teachings airs Monday through Friday on the Fringe FM on a separate network Saturday mornings, 9 a.m. on Aftermath. FM. That's 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Find our entire show archive at www.thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe to the archive. That keeps us on air. Please grab a copy of one of my books. You get a free copy when you subscribe for one year. Support the show. Keep us on air. Go to Patreon and become a patron of the show. Or if you have the means, you can donate directly to the show rdgable at yahoo.com is the email to contact us and for PayPal. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. Take care. Time's up. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.